This is Leslie Cottle, and you are listening to the Unlearning Podcast, where we dive deep into how to come home to your authentic self. Each episode has an expert guest or message on topics like transformation, self-healing, finding and living your life's purpose, the spiritual journey, and being one with the universe. I believe that inner peace comes from being aligned with your true self, and no matter where you are on your journey, that there is always time to go within. Welcome back. If we have not met yet, my name is Leslie Cottle and I am your host. Today we have an amazing guest, Kim Alexandrescu. Kim is the owner of Sacred Space Astoria, a yoga studio and healing space in Queens, New York. She's been a yoga teacher since 2012. She is a Reiki master, integrative therapist, intuitive, and end-of-life companion. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. I love this. Yes. No, I'm like, I've been looking forward to this a lot. And life purpose has been something I've been thinking about a lot. And like, there's so many different directions I feel like we could go in because you do so many things. (laughs) It's been a journey to get here. (laughs) You do so many things and you like own all of them. And also like I would imagine that you like it's also kind of really interesting because you do end of life support too. So like you might you might know people's like deepest regrets of life or like most meaningful things of life. And so I'm just like curious where do you want to start today? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think maybe like going through the journey of how I got here will will kind of help clarify things. Um, Tell us about you, Kim. So um, my my work started with degrees in um, genetic engineering and biotechnology. So I'm not your average yoga teacher in terms of like how I came to the work. Um, And... I was looking for what at the time I thought was new drugs, but really it's new. And I put that in quotes because it's not actually new, but new therapies. And so the clinical research, I was working in clinical research. Um, it like, it was a fit until it wasn't. And I ended up staying home, um, staying home after my son was born, my oldest son, I have three. Um, he had congenital cataracts and we had gone through infertility and I was just like, okay, I'm done. I just, I literally completed my master's at like week 37 of pregnancy. Wow. And, and um, didn't go back to work afterwards. Um, he did like patching and some surgeries and things. So it was, and we had worked so hard to have him. I was like, okay, I'm gonna stay home. So I kind of gave it all up, stayed home, um, and started like refound my, my yoga practice. During that time, I ended up doing a yoga teacher training. Um, I was tuned to Reiki level one and two, in which that was kind of like a very big coming home um, experience. So you had did, uh, sorry, I just want to like, so yep. had you had experience with yoga before that? I So I took my first yoga class when I was 16. Um, okay. Growing up, I did gymnastics and, and I once gymnastics, I broke my arm um, twice in six months. So I had to give that up. I moved to diving for a little while. That got a little scary. And around that time is when I found yoga. And so I was, it's always been kind of like off and on. Um, like I would come to the practice, I would come a little away from it and then I'd come back to it. So yeah, okay. I've been practicing for a while. So that was probably, I was probably about 10 years into my practice at least. No, probably 12 or 13. I'm going to date okay. myself. Yeah. 
<laughs> time um, is is nothing <laughs> it's just a number <laughs> yeah in these past three years like what is time I don't even know oh gosh no I know <laughs> we could literally the last three years have dissolved <laughs> right <laughs> um it's before and there's after but anywhere in between of that is a little it's a little dicey um so I did I, I did my yoga teacher training in 2012 to give it a little little grounding 2012 and then I believe oh no I did Reiki I did my Reiki attunements when I was pregnant with my daughter I was like eight months pregnant with my daughter and did level one and level two so that was 2013 okay. um, and during that time my um my mother-in-law had got she had been diagnosed with cancer right when I actually started my yoga teacher training I almost didn't keep going and um she ends up dying in the spring and one of the things that really had made um, made an impact was that she had a lot of pain that was not being resolved with anything. Um, once she was diagnosed, she pretty much became bedridden. And so there was one time that I said, hey, my mom does these quote unquote massages. And um, why don't I try and see if that helps your pain? Like whenever we have a headache or something like that, you know, she just kind of move, moves it out of our bodies. And um, what, I, what I did was like my own version of energy work. I work in like the small chakras of the body. And that was like the only thing that took her pain away. My mother-in-law being who she was, wouldn't let me do it very often for her, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, from there I was like, all right, I need to do, I need to do some energy training or energy work training to understand what this is. Cause like, like I said, my mom would call them massages, but basically my mom's been giving us energy work our whole lives. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so fun. Did she know like what she was doing? Yes but she's never had any training. So she didn't have a whole lot of language for it. Um, uh, like she, when I was 16, my grandmother passed on my dad's side and her and my mom didn't have a really good relationship. Um, it's, a, it's a long traumatic story of that whole situation. But she, well, after my grandmother passed, my grandmother started talking to my mom. Um, and so, and then my grandmother was also talking to talk to me. So when, I was looking, sorry, from yeah. like, from like spirit yeah. side. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So turned out my mom channels, but had never told anyone. Um, and so what we got to get your mom on. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was like my introduction. And then I understood that it was happening for me. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's so cool. And sorry, like, well, what, like at what age did you like, did this all start to like piece together? It pieces together slowly over time. It's like I get the okay. pieces I need. When, when Got I, it. Okay. So it builds the story. How to, like, it, and that's that's what leads to the purpose for me is you got to follow the breadcrumbs. Like they, yes. you got to follow the breadcrumbs. Um, so my mom and I'm 16. We have that conversation where she's channeling um, my grandmother and there's some messages from my grandmother because she had died quite suddenly. Um, I understand, like start to learn that like that's something that I'm doing. Um, energy work had not yet been explained <laughs> just <laughs> it, the massages <laughs> right we're still we're still all getting massages for our aches and pains like literally when my sister visits my mom she just like puts her feet on my mom's lap and it's like okay here you go <laughs> do your work <laughs> I love that um but with the with the the channeling and such it was like looking back there like I distinctly remember at 15 like there was a conversation I had with my mom, I came down from the shower and I was like, you know, when you take a shower and you hear those voices and like that, like that conversation that's happening, it's like, every time I notice them, like then it goes away and I don't know who it is. And I can't remember anything. I was like, who is that? And that could have gone a lot of different ways. Right. Like, and totally. she was like, 
I don't know. You'll have to ask. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that though. She just like puts the power right back in your hands. Like you're asking her and she's like, oh no, like you, like you got this. Yeah. You're good. Well, and I think she also just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't know who you're talking to. I know who I'm talking to. Um, but That's that was like so before great. the whole channeling thing happened. So wow, I love that too, that it's like almost that she, like she didn't really know what it was or like, or have the language for it. Cause like, it might've felt more weird then when like, cause now, like, I think that energy is like becoming a much more known, um, like word and like working with energy definitely like in the last like five years I feel like it's not weird anymore to like know what energy is or to meditate or to like be a yogi and it might have been weird then to like be channeling or like witchy and so I kind of almost like that you didn't know and that your mom didn't know and it's just like oh yeah it's like what our family does it's also just like I teach intuitive development and like one of the weeks is dedicated to like what your fears are and the messaging and such that you you've had around it so like that conversation could have gone very very differently like I also had a pretty re religious upbringing um thankfully like in her practice she had room for both but like a lot of times that gets shut down and then you start to have beliefs around it right instead I had yeah. inquiry which like as we're talking here I'm like oh this is how I teach. <laughs> the way you learn. Huh? <laughs> so that just, that just hit for me as we're talking. Um, so I'm in bed with my mother-in-law. We're doing these, we're doing these massages, quote unquote massages. Um, and it helps. And so I'm like, all right, I gotta do, I gotta do something with the energy work. And I get pulled to Reiki. I'd had exactly one Reiki session. So much had happened. And I remember That's all you like, need. <laughs> I just remember being like, what about this? And what about this? And the practitioner again, didn't have a whole lot of answers for me, whether she didn't want to share or she didn't know, I don't know. Um, but then I was like, okay, like I've got to study this some more. Um, and so I did Reiki level one and two in, um, in a weekend, which as a Reiki master would say, I do not recommend. <laughs> I would not do it that way again. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> and then, um, I ended, I did the teacher training and did the Reiki master. I started seeing clients and then the urban Zen integrative therapy, um, training, like kind of fell into my lap and that like brought everything together. It brought my clinical background together. Um, what it is, is it's a, um, practice of sharing all these different types of healing modalities in specific symptoms. And mm. so it brought the yoga as of like a form of yoga therapy, a lot of restorative, um, pranayama, but we call it breath awareness or body awareness because it's at very basic levels. Um, we do mindful movement, which is just like mostly joint articulations. There's the Reiki aspect. We use essential oils. Um, and the biggest thing is contemplative care. And so in okay. the contemplative care, you're meeting someone where they are and you're mm. just being present to them. Um, so I do that training, get assigned to work in a nursing home and I'm not really thrilled because I've had family members in nursing homes. It's not a great comfortable place. Um, and end up loving it, just like loving it. I went on oh, to wow. work in nursing homes in that capacity for three years up until the pandemic. I like, um, a few days before the world shut down was like my last shift in the nursing home. I was pregnant at the time. And so the doctor oh, was like, you're wow. done. You're not going back there. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Especially with everything going on then definitely makes sense. So, so many things. <laughs> right. I, it's, we're following the breadcrumbs here. This is the story. And then being in the nursing home, seeing how 
people who had never meditated a day in their lives had no idea of what Reiki was, excuse me, what Reiki was, having these experiences of being able to drop in in the middle of a nursing home hallway while call bells are going out and people are yelling and it's busy and chaos and bright lights. It just made it very clear that it was time to open a studio because- What does it mean to drop in? Sorry. To drop in? Yeah. Like being able to drop into their bodies, like dropping into okay. like a meditative state or just being able to like, how do you describe it? That's a good way. Um, I, I just keep getting the feeling. <laughs> Like, like is it like when chaos is going on? It's a little bit of, it's like grounding, right? Where you're able to kind of come into yourself when anything is happening around you or nothing is happening around you. That sensation of coming into yourself. Okay, got, okay, I understand. And I know that feeling. It's like a- <laughs> Yes, I know that. <laughs> I'm trying to like, what, how do you describe it? It's like a funnel. If you're listening yeah. to the podcast, it's like a funnel going in from like your head into- the body heart <laughs> We're wiggling a little bit back and forth like there's definitely a downward motion happening. <laughs> yeah okay I understand so rather kind of than like your energy being dispersed outside of you it's almost like collecting it coming into the self like being present here what do I need to do how do I assess the situation just being being in your body or being aware of this moment um and not that they weren't necessarily aware of the moment but they're like being caught up in a story or being caught up in sensation and being able to find mm. some, some calmness. calmness okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. Despite what's happening um, elsewhere in your body or around you. Okay, I got it. Because I would imagine that there are probably like people in pain that you like, who like maybe are completely consumed by the pain or something like that. And it's like, how do you drop it? Is like that, what do you mean? Like when you're like dropping in, like, like dissociating from the pain, like coming back to yourself. So one of the, a lot, like one of the main tools that we use is that despite like, so there, when you're in pain, that that part of your body is talking to you the loudest, right? That's where all the totally. sensation is coming from and recognizing instead through like body awareness practices that you have this whole body and like your right ear might feel fine, right? Like the pain might be in your back, but your toes are all good. You know, your hands feel okay. And remembering that you have a whole body and not just this part that's that's asking for a lot of attention or demanding a lot of attention. Sometimes it's not asking nicely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I feel like that correlates for like physical pain and emotional pain. So the symptoms that we worked with were pain, anxiety, nausea, insomnia, constipation, exhaustion, and sadness. Yep. And so every, all the modalities that I mentioned earlier were geared towards those symptoms. Got it. That makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for explaining. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No so, so, so that, so learning to drop into the body and then now it came to you that you're, you needed to start the studio. Yeah. I mean, when you see, you know, someone who's, you know, well into their eighties, hard of hearing, I'm like shouting a body awareness meditation at them. I've asked them if they're interested in a little bit of gentle touch, um, to facilitate the Reiki and, you know, they really enjoy an essential oil and you see their body relax. Um, it becomes like, not a lot of yoga studios are open to everyone. And so mm. like one of the things that was really important to me and still is, is that like, we work with all ages and stages of wellness. Like you don't have to be like someone who's skinny and fit and, you know, flexible to come in and take classes. Everyone deserves the ability to find some tools to support their body. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that. I love your studio. I love 
<laughs> I love everything about it really um, so much. <laughs> I um, used to work at Kim's studio guys <laughs> maybe maybe there's a workshop that's gonna make a comeback we'll see <laughs> um my night she's nine now but she must have been six at the time six or seven still asks about the vocal toning classes sometimes so oh my gosh that's so sweet and honestly meaningful because six-year-olds like have like the idea that a six-year-old could remember that is like very powerful because I have nephews there uh how old are they now I think they're like eight and six now but like they don't remember anything <laughs> ever <laughs> She's oh. <laughs> she's into the studio. She like um she loves the sound baths. Like and, and it goes back to the kind of conversation. Like you know what would life have been like if all of these practices were like available to you at a young age rather than like having to rediscover them in a later. Yes. Age, you know. Oh my gosh, I think about that literally all the time. Like like when would I have discovered sound and transformation work and like like if that was a college major like if being <laughs> Like if being, I don't like a transformation coach or like spirituality was like not, you know, not uh, like a religion spirituality, but um, spirituality, like, like your spirituality, I guess. Like if that was a major in college, oh my gosh, where would I be now? <laughs> Who would I be? But also, would you have known that that was the thing that you wanted, right? Like I, Great it was a it was very clear I needed to study genetics, like in, in molecular biology, like that was very clear. I wanted to study DNA. Uh, I still hope that someday, you know, it feels like it might come back around. <laughs> but like that, you don't even know when you're making those decisions, like what jobs are available and such. Like I would have never, looking yeah. back and this, this goes into like the purpose question, like looking back, um, I wanted to be a teacher. But I distinctly remember telling my mom, who is who is a school teacher, like, I don't want to deal with principals. So I don't actually want to be a teacher because I only know of a school teacher as being a teacher. Right. I'm yeah. very much a teacher today. <laughs> yeah. And I also think that we like we get those like hits when we're much younger. Like I always like I've like been obsessed with um, infomercials since I was like a child. And so like for me, like my like like creme de la creme of, of business is to have an online course with a webinar like I'm really <laughs> jazzed about that webinar and like that is the modern day uh like uh infomercial <laughs> and it's totally. like like you, you get those like those hints all the time but you're trying to relate them to things that are in your world that you know about so I think that's like it's so fun to think about in my opinion <laughs> Have you read the book, um, The Great Work of Your Life by Stephen Cope? Um, no, even though that sounds very familiar, I will write that down. What, what about it? So what he says is that when you're looking and trying to figure out what the great work of your life is, that you need to go back to childhood and see what you were doing and what you liked. Like, how do you think someone finds their life purpose? I mean, when he's talking about it, he's talking about it looking the way you play. Like what, what did you enjoy and what did you play and what brought you joy as a child? And I, and I mean, even to be fair, right, there are some, some childhoods where that's difficult too, but I think totally. that there's always, especially as we're younger, like a connection to the self of like something, something was lighting you up, like something was getting you through. Um, and then I think it's also a little bit of like, it, it's not always literal, right? Like I was practicing playing teacher with like a, a chalkboard and a, a desk. I had, I had no siblings. So it was like, 
and creating baby doll. Yeah. Um, I love, I love to learn. So like that, it all fits looking back to it or whatever, but like, that was my only frame of reference for a teacher. Right. So like looking back, I can then go and kind of like titrate it to what I need it to be now as who I am versus like what was becoming. Yeah. And I think that's also kind of one of the things about living your life purpose that you learn is like the, like, it's literally about following your joy, like what lights you up, what excites you. Mm -hmm. And if you're far off from that, I think it's actually harder to find that. Do you have like any advice for people who are like trying to like follow their joy or find their joy? So it's actually a lot of like what the studio is built upon is that in order to be able to get to that point where you're following your joy, you have to be in your body. So you mm. have to like, so for the studio's perspective, like yoga is the entry point. Um, yoga is, is often an, an entry point, right? Because that gets you back in your body. You start to notice sensation. You notice how you feel before yoga. You feel how you feel after yoga, right? There's, Absolutely, yeah. There's a difference there in general. <laughs> and sometimes it's not always pleasant, but there's still a difference. Like you, things start to come up and such. So you have to be in your body to be able to feel, um, to feel the joy or to feel the yes and to be able to distinguish that because your intuition speaks through the body. And so if you can't sense the body, then you're missing all the communication that's happening from the intuition, whether it's that, whether you take that as your higher self or you take it as, you know, your spirit guides or past loved ones, God, the universe, however you want to claim it. Um, and so then you have to be able to one sense that something is, is happening in the body is, you know, communication. Then you have to trust that, which that takes a little while too, because there's been a lot of things in general in most people's lives to take you away from that level of trust. Yeah. Um, and like that conversation with my mom could have gone differently and that trust would, there would have been a different set there. And then you have to be able to take in the inspired action as a result of that. And so you have to have the confidence. So you have to be able to listen, trust, and then take the action. And when you're doing that, that's how like the breadcrumbs start coming for me. The listen, trust, action. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think, um, uh, be in your body first, you gotta be in your body, be in your body. Sorry. <laughs> be in your body. Listen, yeah. trust, action. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. And um, it doesn't have to be yoga that does it right. Like some form of movement or some sort, like some, some, whatever gets you in your body, you know? Yeah. I think that's interesting. Cause it, like you're using the word yoga as like the, the practice of yoga, right? Like the movement of the body. I mean, I use it interchangeably. I don't think yoga is just a form of exercise, right? Like even when you're practicing for me, there's a lot of energy movement happening. Like there's a lot happening with the chakras. Um, for me, yoga is a spiritual practice, but a lot of times it starts as a form of exercise. Like you come to it as a form of exercise and then all yeah. these other things start happening. Got it. Yeah. No, I mean, I can completely relate to that because I used to do yoga every single day. And during the pandemic, I stopped. And every time I do yoga now, I'm like, oh, I'm so refreshed. Like, I feel completely like myself. And it's so funny because like, you just want to like, take a little bit of like, a little turn of a direction of life that's like, more inspiring, more like thriving and exciting. And it, it feels like, like it's coming from a really calm place. And I think that kind of talks to like, how you, how you think like, how you're saying like, we have to get into our body first, because I'm not sure. Like, I feel like when you're making a decision or doing an action, when you're outside of your body, 
which is what a lot of people can tend to do like when they're in um, maybe like a more fast paced setting or like feeling anxious about something like you're either sometimes like reaching for something um, to fix the problem rather than coming from a place of like groundedness. Mm -hmm. And so I love the idea of getting into your body first. Cause I, I mean, I can just like reflect on my own life, how many times I've tried to make, <laughs> to do action from a place where I wasn't in my body. And like, I just, it felt like so terrible. It just like felt so bad, even if it was the right decision forward. And the one I wanted to take, I just like, didn't feel good about the decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's um like, and too, like when you're making those decisions, like for me, it's very cerebral, which I guess is like in my body, but that's not, it's not the feeling I like in my body. I guess, I guess like, <laughs> like when I'm very cerebral, that's a different feeling than what I'm talking about, um, even though I am in my body, but sometimes the thoughts are outside of the body too, right? Like you're, you're thinking out, out in front of you and are, are off to the side, you know? Yes, definitely. Like if you're using your spiritual senses. Yeah. all around <laughs> yeah because intuition really does like speak to people on different levels I'm also someone who perceives energy in different ways than um I don't even know if it's like I think everyone has access to energy like this way but I'm aware that when I the way I talk about energy like someone else isn't going to necessarily understand it yeah. um so then I'm always trying to like, oh, like I saw this thing or I felt this thing. And like, how do you translate that into words um, rather than like translating the feelings? <laughs> it's hard, right? Like that was the dropping in we were having. Yeah. How, do we, how do we bring this out of the body and into the language? Um, we run into that a lot with Reiki. Um, so Reiki is a channeled energy and it's um, a Japanese healing art. And it's essentially the sharing of life force energy. And so if there's no manipulation, you're not doing anything with the energy, you're just allowing it to flow from the practitioner to the person. And it's either hands resting on the body with like the weight of a dime or hovering over, or it can be sent through time and space, depending upon like how much the practitioner has studied. Um, so with Reiki, like you're not the one doing, like the Reiki is doing its own thing. It has its own innate wisdom. But then like there's times where you like try to talk about it, like, oh, I'm gonna send Reiki to you. like who's doing the sending? What is being sent? Like, there's so many questions and it's like our language or at least the English language or where we are, it just like, doesn't, we don't have the words for like what the experience is. And so we try to put something together, but it's some, like, especially in the, that kind of sense, like it can sound like it can be difficult for the other person who doesn't have that frame of reference to understand. And then it can also sound like ego-driven, right? Like I'm sharing Reiki with you and it's like, I'm <laughs> Reiki to you. yeah. I don't know. It's, it's frustrating sometimes, like, and especially like the longer my practice has gone on and the longer I've been in the energy, I'm just like, it's just language. Like it's just, it's just failing. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, that is. Cause I also, cause I've done Reiki training one and two, I don't practice it besides on myself sometimes, but that was like one of the you big lessons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do, you do. <laughs> that counts. <laughs> but um but but I feel like it's like it was really interesting because it's like oh no like Reiki is like life force like you're just kind of like the instrument that's being used for energy to be like flowing through you and I remember in the um I don't know how you do it in your trainings but they like told us to like almost imagine like Reiki a different color than your own energy 
So mm-hmm. like if I like if it was like blue or something and my energy was red, like you can see or visualize like life force Reiki energy like going through you and then like through your hands and how you're like distributing it and like seeing that like it's not your energy, like your energy stays the same. Um I like I think that. It's so- yeah, yeah. I thought it was like a really cool training, but I do have that background. So, but the first Reiki experience I had, I thought I was just like, this is like, I don't know what happened and I want more of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't I know what like happened, but I love it. I feel like it yeah. goes like that. Sometimes it's like that. And sometimes it's like, oh, I'm never going to see this person again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to see this client again. That was a lot for them. <laughs> That's really um, funny. <laughs> but I, and I think Reiki has a lot to do with, for me, at least finding life purpose, because um, with Reiki, what I also see is like when people are attuned and such, you know, the, you clear the channel, you clear the channel for the energy to flow through the body. And so when you clear the channel, you clear the channel and things can, can come in. So your intuition mm. gets a little louder and, you know, you start having these psychic or intuitive experiences um and like the way my teaching partner and I have decided to offer like offer Reiki especially at master level is that you're um you're doing intuitive development alongside it because a lot of times like this just happens you've done the Reiki training there's real no association made and now you're having these like psychic experiences and you don't know what the hell's going on (laughs) yeah I think that's really important too because it's kind of scary when your psychic gifts start coming online yeah. You're like, am I crazy? Like all these things are happening. I'm perceiving energy in different ways. So it's like, I mean, to be attuned to Reiki is like really powerful on its own, but then to have that happen as well, can I'm sure I like, it's gotta be overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it definitely can be. And like, you're learning to trust something outside of your body, right. Which is Ooh. like also building your intuition. Yeah. And so like, it's a, it's a, it's a way along the path. Um, because you're starting to, you're starting to build that relationship. Yeah. I love like this, like topic of trust too, because I imagine that there's a lot to do with like, like when, like how much trust is required to like learn a lesson and like, how do we learn these lessons? I'm just like wondering what your perspective is on like, how, how do you know when it's your intuition speaking to you? And like, how do you know when to, um, like take it on as your own. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. It was a really big question that I had when I was first kind of understanding my gifts. Um, right. Cause you don't know your experience is different than anyone else's until you know, your experience is different than someone else's. Right. Yeah. Um, so I remember there's a period of time I was doing these intuitive development classes out in Long Island. There's like a hotbed of psychics out in Long Island. Um, and so it was like taking- the Long Island medium. <laughs> So I was taking from the woman who, who had trained her and like a student of hers. And so there's like a whole group of them out there. Amazing. Yeah. I've actually Googled her before because I've wanted to take one of her trainings. So I'm, keep going. <laughs> so um, I was taking these, these trainings and things were opening up and I was understanding it was not too long after the, in, um, the, the Reiki training it was all around the same time. And I started having, I, I was watching a lot of Long Island Medium too. And I started having like this conversation in my head. And I realized like, oh, this, like the conversation between me and my guides or me and my higher self is happening. Like I'm seeing a medium. And so it was like the same way, like that conversation would go, that style of conversation. And I, over time understood that was to help me understand what was me and what was not me. That's so interesting. 
So and you're there was, like, and there was a freak out. There was a freak out for a while, because it was like, what is me? None of this is me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but I you could hear the conversation happening. And also it's like, it was there specifically for you to hear. But I was also participating in the conversation. I was one half of the conversation, like asking the questions and such. And I'm very much when I'm teaching intuitive development, like you're developing a relationship. You're, this is an interactive process. Yes. Um, those first learning to like receive and be open to the messages, but then there's, or like opening, open to receive messages, like whenever they come, but then there's opening to intentionally receive and channeling. Yes. Because do you feel like people can like have their channel open and then like also be able to turn it off? Or do you think people are always getting information? I think it's both. I think it's whatever you want it to be, but you have to know that you're making a choice and you have to communicate the boundary. Um, and if you decide to change the boundary, you just have to communicate it again. Yeah. I love that. I love that a lot. <laughs> when, I, when I was in the nursing, so when I was in the nursing home, I, up until that point, I had been doing Reiki sessions at home and I was incorporating chakra readings with them. And so when I went into the nursing home, like that was not an appropriate place in a clinical setting for me to be reading. Also, mm. one of the buildings that I was in just had a lot going on. And so I was just like, nope, we're shutting this down. Like I was fine to, I was very glad to be sharing the Reiki and the agreement that I made with my guides was that if there's information I absolutely need to know and I need to communicate, you can let it through. But I, like, we're not just gonna, every time I put my hands on somebody, get everything. Because <laughs> yeah. in, in a day I, you know, I do, you know, 40, I put my hands on 40 people. So to be, have like all of that happening in the building, um, and then be touching so many people and having interactions and then also be doing like forms of healing work with them, staying within the framework as much as I possibly could have been in therapy. Um, but then like as the death work is happening, the, the intuitive part starts kind of creeping in a little more, but it was more appropriate because it was more conversational at that point. It was mostly like listening and just being able to hold space for them to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I imagine is such important work. And also like, wow, I'm just like trying to like picture all of this. Like you, like, I just have this image of you just like going around helping all these people, but also like, just like how intense it could be to, to receive so much information about so many people. I mean, be... I, didn't, I didn't really have that experience because I shut it off before I went in. Right. Like, oh, okay. So you didn't yeah. have the experience first. And no. then you were like, oh, I need to like rearrange my boundaries. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, that is actually I'm... great. <laughs> I, it even came up during yoga teacher training. I remember them talking about assists and I was just like, how am I going to put my hands on people? I can't just put my hands on people. Like, <laughs> yeah. got to be careful where you put those things. <laughs> well, it's just like, I, I don't want to know everything that's going on in their body when I put like, right. And not everybody has that thought, <laughs> right? Like, right. You have that thought if there's a reason you're having that thought. And so um, now it just, it's not to say the work wasn't intense and there wasn't a whole lot of an experience, but it was incredible. It wasn't draining in the way a lot of people anticipate that it would be in the nursing home. But yeah. Okay, cool. I was picturing something totally different. I'm glad. <laughs> the moral of that story is that I yes. learned that my only job is to go in there and love them. So oh, whatever is going on, that. I'm just holding space for them. I'm listening. I'm providing kindness and my only job is to love them I love that and isn't that like such a good uh 
like metaphor for not, I don't know if metaphor is the right word, but like how we're supposed to like also treat ourselves and our own experiences, like just through like love. And it's like, that's what you just have to give people. And like, that's literally like the best way to support someone is to love them. And just your presence, right? Like my presence was enough. Like they just wanted someone there with them. Yeah. Right? They didn't want to be yeah. alone or they had been alone. So they just wanted someone to talk to. Um, like a lot of the, the movement modalities that we had went way out, out the window for a number of reasons. And it was like, they didn't want to move. They wanted to tell me, you know, about their, their love, or they wanted to tell me about one of their children that they, you know, hadn't seen in a while or, or things like that. They wanted to talk about their life and be heard. Yeah. Which is like, such a gift to give to someone and I think that I mean oh, bringing this full circle like life purpose I think like like life purpose like everyone's life purpose is like literally just to share the gift of who they are and we forget that like you don't have to do so much like you can literally just be there and like your essence is so um, appreciated and healing and wanted just by being there like you don't have to do anything else and to do that you got to be in your body right you got to be able you yes. got to have, have a handle <laughs> be in your body your, you got to have a handle on your own stuff because your own stuff comes up right like Absolutely. there were definitely times like I would like I would feel my fear rise up or whatever but it was my stuff right it wasn't my job to communicate that it was I had to be, I I learned to be with my things while also being with the other person and recognizing like what was mine and and that I don't like it's just mine I don't have to do anything with it right and I certainly yeah. don't have to share it with them um and it's not that I was like negating my own experience I was very much present with them I just didn't burden them with my experience or for lack of a better word my shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think that's really powerful sorry yeah. to cut you off no, it, I mean, that helped me understand connection because if you can't be in your body and you can't, you don't have like the mindfulness of like what your experience is, it makes it a lot harder to be connected to people. Mm. Like you go through all these, you go through all these things in terms of like the trust, the, the being in the body, the making the choices or whatever, but ultimately you're working towards connection and connection is essentially love. Yes. I mean, that, <laughs> so that what happens in the nursing home is that I actually fall in love with this old man for lack of, like it, it was a Aww. whole journey of understanding like, um, is this inappropriate? Like what is happening? Like I hadn't yet come to understand that my job was just to go in them and, lo and love them. And like, you know, driving home one day, I was just like, oh my God, I love him. Oh my God, I love him. It's so inappropriate. Like <laughs> it's so unprofessional, <laughs> all of these things. Um, and, you know, I had friends who like knew about him. He had the nickname Poetry Man because I wasn't able to like use his name out loud because of like HIPAA and things like that. But like, you know, on the way home, I get a phone call like, okay, what happened with Poetry Man today? And like, it was just this like friendship. It was a little bit of mentorship each way at certain times. It was yes. like, I can't, like, this is a book that I write at one point and I'm fully aware of it. I just, yes. hard to explain how you just love this person that you really had no connection with. Um, but like the way that I kind of describe it to people is like, I named the baby after him. I was pregnant at like this, like wow. when I was starting when I was opening the studio and the baby has his, his last name as the baby's middle name. And so like, that's wow. how I just, I'm like, I named the baby after him. So that'll tell you something. Yeah. 
But at the same time, there was just like this friendship that was developing. And like, you know, I was only supposed to spend 20 minutes with each person. Like he'd come down and roll, like when you ended up in the wheelchair, he'd roll himself down and come sit in the door of my office and just hang oh. out because he liked to be around me, you know? Like, yeah, it was, but it was a mutual feeling. We just enjoyed really being around each other. And, you know, and then there was like a whole thing where, you know, like as, as the pandemic is going on or whatever, and um, like we're able to start visiting again, um, you know, he, he was married. And so like, I'm pregnant in the elevator with his wife. And I'm just like, I don't know if anybody told her I'm naming the baby after. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very awkward conversation. Um, and, you know, we ended up like, I ended up becoming, you know, quite friendly with her and we had some like lovely lunch, lunchtime talks and chats. And we both help escort him out when the time comes in terms of his dying process but it was yeah it was it was so much to navigate and so much to learn and it was just wild and also amazing it was amazing I love that that sounds really special yeah these 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 platonic platonic situations where you're like oh shit I love this person <laughs> what does that mean? I unconditionally love you the end <laughs> <laughs> This is a little overwhelming, so I'm just going to pull it back a little bit and try and figure out my things <laughs> while I'm knowing that I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me go control myself. Like, you also <laughs> feel like it's like an expansion. Like, when you, like, learn how to, like, have an open heart, it's really this expansion of, like, love. And you're like, oh, my God, like, I can, like, love everything. This plant, this child, like, this cat. And like, it's just, it's so fun to like, open your heart and love. I'm also obsessed with love. <laughs> so, I mean, I think with Reiki, you're just sharing love, right? Life force energy, what it's love. Um, but in the, it, it did definitely change my relationship to love too, because I, um, like I started saying, I love you to friends more like, like where before that head would have made me uncomfortable or uneasy. Um, no, that started like that shifted a whole lot of things for me just like no wow. I love you like that's fact <laughs> oh my god I love that oh I'm so sad because it's really we're at time guys <laughs> I know I know and this I want to hear fun. more but um Kim where can people find you what's new and exciting with you um obviously we're going to put all your things in the show notes but tell us some last things about you um you can find me at the studio this I, whether I spend more time here at home is a, is a tough call <laughs> as my kids like to remind me <laughs> um the studio is sacred space Astoria you can find us on our website www.sacredspacehistoria.com we're on Instagram at at sacred space underscore Astoria um my personal account is at mindful mama NYC mm -hmm. um so you can follow us there, see all the fun things that we're doing. We're, we just brought on um, trauma healing and trauma training as part of the studio because the studio is a healing space and it's a yoga studio and healing space. And what are we healing from? We're healing from trauma. Yes, we are. <laughs> so um, it's been really good to like, it feels like a piece just clicked in. I got a work partner in the process and a really great friend and someone who helped me understand that I have CPTSD and like opened up that whole journey. So there's a lot of um, workshops around trauma and understanding your experience through that lens. Uh, we do a lot of um, intuitive development and healing and yoga of all types. The 
the key thing is that like anybody can come take a class with us. It's not just a certain type of person. I love that. Awesome. And well, maybe thank- we'll be having a workshop soon. <laughs> and maybe, maybe I'll be there soon, guys. Well, Kim, I really, really enjoyed having you here. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share everything. I feel like we went in so many different directions with like life purpose, intuition, love, like all the things. And I really appreciate you being here and you sharing your experience with everyone. Um, Thank you to everyone to listening to this podcast. Again, my name is Leslie and our guest today was Kim Alexandrescu. And if you haven't followed the podcast yet, please follow us um, on Spotify or Apple just to help us grow and check out the links and resources from today's podcast in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the episode and take care. Tune in Tuesdays for more illuminating and soulful episodes. If you love what you're hearing and want to support the podcast, please follow and rate the podcast on Spotify or Apple to help new listeners find us. To find out more about my coaching and transformation offers, head over to my website, www.lesliecoddle.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.